ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Season one. What episode is this already? We've been going for so long, but it's so short, it feels so great. Episode seven, we've got a wonderful guest, a personal friend, Ferd Neiman, also known as the MHP Lawyer. Special day today, we're celebrating the birth of Dan Lukowitz. 37th birthday today, we got a birthday beard going on. So, uh, happy birthday to Dan on top. Anyway, guys, thank you so much, guys and girls. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got Ferd. He's coming in and uh, has a lot to share with us in the mobile home park space. Hey, welcome. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Happy birthday. I didn't know I was going to be on your birthday episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, Birthday episode here, but more importantly, I love to keep it focused on the guests. Tell us about yourself. Who's this Ferd guy I keep hearing about? Well, I'm a mobile home park lawyer, also owner-operator. Uh, my background, I've been a real estate analyst, uh, used to be a county appraiser. I worked at a law firm for several years. I've done retail development, redevelopment. I uh, live here in Kansas City with my beautiful wife, Angela, three little kiddos. Wow, and nice. really the last several years, been focused on MHP space and recently launched a podcast of my own, also the mobile home park lawyer podcast. It's been going well. And got uh, lots of new clients and new projects in the pipeline. So really just uh, been busy building our team and having fun. Awesome. Well, congrats on that. That sounds really, really exciting. So, you know, if anybody hasn't recognized already, commercial real estate or CRE, it's full of acronyms. So MHPs, what is an MHP? Why do I need to know about it? And what's so special? So talk to us about mobile home parks. Sure. So mobile home parks, they're, tep- they're really land lease communities. So typically they'll be one person. So if I'm the landowner, I'll own the land and you can bring in your mobile home or manufactured home or trailer, as it used to be called, and you can uh, park it on my land. I'll typically have own the streets and push the snow, mow the common areas, provide some amenities for things like, you know, dog parks, playgrounds, grilling stations, things like that. And then all the utility lines and it's really kind of a, a ground lease um, opportunity for as an investment play, but really it's a, it's filling the gap for affordable housing because all in manufactured homes cost about forty cents on the dollar to a site built house, but they're still you know built within HUD regulations, so they're they're pretty sturdy, right, right. like the kind of stereotypical trailers of yesterday. But overall, it's been uh, it's been a good asset class. Uh, serves a, a need for affordable housing. I think it's a good. Um, good investment opportunity as well. But overall, MHP, it's been really popular during the COVID era here. It's proved to be a more reliable source of real estate investment than some other competing classes. So overall, it's been really good. Awesome. Well, you know, you mentioned for about some modular construction and, uh, you know, that the, the cost is significantly less. That's something I'm really interested in. One of the things that, that we, uh, we play in a little bit is the manufactured home space, uh, but not necessarily from a mobile home perspective, park, uh, park perspective, I should say. We uh, have, have numerous colleagues here in the Metro Detroit area who are, it's, it's incredible. You've got these craftsman-style homes that are shipped in from Ohio. They're literally plug-and-play. I mean, if you ever watch one of these things go up, it's literally like you tilt up the walls. They've got all the electrical, all the plumbing, the switches, the finishes. Everything are pretty much ready to go. And then when they put this thing together, it, as you mentioned, it's fine. it can be financed just like a regular home. It looks like a regular home. It smells like a regular home. And it, 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 it acts like a regular home. So it's pretty exciting from the perspective of what you can do with – much less capital. And and I think that's something for our viewers to pay attention to when they're 
interested in investing in new and different ways of, uh, of getting into the real estate investment space. Now, you're talking specifically about mobile home parks, though. We're talking about places where the home is literally placed on a park that's owned by someone like Ferd or one of his clients. So my question to you is, in that case, who owns the actual home there? It could be it could be either the landowner or or the the tenant of the land. So um, sometimes they're you know sometimes I'll own the house also and I'll rent it out. Sometimes I'll bring in the house and I'll immediately just try to sell it. So okay. it, it, it depends. I mean, a lot of mobile home park investors don't like to own the homes because it becomes it's harder to scale and harder to uh, you have mm-hmm. to have a maintenance team in every in every municipality that you work in. So it's really a lot harder. But practically, in order to fill vacant lots. One of the strategies you buy the homes from the manufacturer and then set them up and sell them on site. So we sell, you know, we sell a lot of houses. We probably sold 100 houses this year, and we sell them at cost. We don't make money in the houses. We, so we bring them in and we set them up, and then we sell them to people. We help. We have some banking relationships. Help people get financed on these. Sometimes people pay cash, and we do new homes and used homes. And then once they're there, our, our play is we're, we're in the land business, and they'll pay lot rent. Um, okay. Even if they don't know how to pay lot rent, it's kind of like HOA dues. Mm-hmm. for the privilege of being there and then we have community rules and we you know police the community so to speak as far as you know background checks and common area maintenance and amenities and things like that but it, it could go either way as far as who owns the house okay very interesting very interesting so you know i'm a dollars and cents guy i'm an roi guy i'm a broker so you know i like numbers um I always joke that the only real math I need to do as a broker is to divide the uh, you know net operating income by the price and come up with a cap rate. So in that vein, do you mind sharing with us some of the average or expected returns on mobile home parks in your experience in different places in the country? Well, mobile home parks, I mean, the math is the same as other asset classes. And you look at a number of different metrics, like a cash-on-cash return. You look at a cap rate. You can look at an internal rate return. And you can see all those things on a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. But really, to know what kind of returns you're going to get a deal, it's going to depend on the project and like anything. But if you have a stabilized asset, I mean, there are mobile home parks now that are selling in the 3 and 4 and 5 cap range. No kidding. Are you serious? Yeah. I could buy a McDonald's or I could buy a mobile home park for about the same cap rate? Exactly. So it's the, the part of the reason that the, the value of investing in mobile home parks is there's an opportunity to to grow it if there's vacant lots. So, for example, if you buy McDonald's, there's only going to be one McDonald's. You're not going to build another McDonald's in the same parcel. You're not going to put a McDonald's on the second floor. An apartment complex, you buy 100 unit apartments, it's probably pretty much full or it's just not going to be hard to grow it. But in a mobile home park, you could buy a 100 space mobile home park that Ma and Pa have owned for 50 years and they've never filled the lots and there's only 30 occupied lots. Well, you may pay a, a four cap or a three cap on those 30. I mean, I bought a park that had 20 occupied lots one time. I paid an, an infinite cap rate, you know, because there was no NOI. It was losing money. So I paid a one cap. Well, was I crazy? Well, no, I looked at the upside. So sure. that park that park today is now at 85 occupied lots. So we, we took it from wow. 20, 21 to 85 in less than two years by filling occupied by occupying lots. So as a result, we've increased, even if the cap rate was the same, NOI was the same on this market, if the rent, gross rent was the same, we would have increased the value 4X. So if you look at that in a spreadsheet, now there's, it's a lot harder business plan than owning a, just owning a McDonald's and hoping the rent comes in the mail. That's on a turnaround park. So in something like that, you would want to pay, you know, in that case, the NOI was zero. So there were less than zero. So there was an infinite cap rate. But on a, on a rougher deal, you may be able to buy stuff at a double digit cap rate. I bought mobile home parks at 10, 15, 18% cap rate. And like on sure. this deal, this deal I'm talking about now, if I've increased the value 4X, I mean, my internal rate of return 
I mean, it's going to be triple digits, to be over a hundred. So it's like you can find outsized returns like that, but not on a stabilized project. You can just set it and forget it. So it's really going to depend on the the quality, the condition, the stability or lack thereof of the investment. You could have you know, really low cap rates to you know wow. twenty cap rates. Wow, yeah. And sometimes yes. it's mispriced. It's, it's it's a very fragmented industry with a lot of mom and pa. So sometimes not as much sophistication. Where people will, I, I bought a park in Illinois about a year ago. The guy had three parks, seven, seventeen, and fifty-four lots. And a broker brought it to me off market and said the guy wants five hundred each. And I said, do I have to buy all three? He said no. I said I'll take the big one. So I bought the big one for five hundred. It was worth about eight hundred. Yeah. And the other, th- the other two, he insisted on five hundred firm. He's never going to sell those for that price. Right. So you don't, you don't, you're not going to see that somebody selling McDonald's, right? You're not going to see that as somebody selling a you know, class B apartment, at least not very often. You can run into it in MAP. Wow, that's fascinating. So you mentioned that deal, eighty. you said 85 units, right? Right. So what's your gross cash flow on that? What, what's your, your gross income for that park? Well, the way that it's, it's, a, it's hard to, I don't, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it's, it's, it, you have to look at the mix of homes. So the lot rent is, is 375. So I've got okay. 85 people paying 375 a month. And then the home rent, and depending on the home, is going to be anywhere between seven and nine, seven hundred nine fifty. So for some of the people, are, some of the people are paying seven hundred, which includes the lot rent. Some of the people are paying nine fifty, and and in that park, I've got about twenty five homes that are okay. that I own. The the rest of the homes are tenant owned. So most of those people wow. are paying just paying just three seventy five, and that's an infill project. So I mean, next month it'll be a bigger number. I've got to get mm-hmm. to 93 and then I'll be full. So I'll be full. I've got seven homes on order to manufacture now. So I'll be full come spring. And that's when I'll do a cash out refinance and, nice. and move on to the next project. I'm still nice. on this one, but it'll become, it'll become considerably less onerous to, uh, when you're, when you're done filling lots and doing yeah. the and, and then you're level, you'll lever it up with that, uh, cash out refi. Now, exactly. when did you buy that? So how long have you been in this project? This I bought in December of 2018, so just under two years. Wow. Okay, that's a that's a heck of a story. I love that. So you've yeah. essentially purchased this property under two years ago, and when you bought it, there was no cash flow. In fact, it was a cash drain. And right. then you decided that you're going to put in some some uh, some of the actual mobile homes. You're going to rent them rent them out. You're going to rent out the land, and you're going to rent out some of the actual homes. You're now filling in more that you're buying and putting into the lot. And as you do this. Your cash flow just keeps going up and up and up. So I guess the question for you now is, it's nice. Cash flow is great, right? Gross cash is good. What are your expenses on a deal like that? Monthly expenses. So, yeah, so for an image, right now the expenses are going to be higher because I've got a full-time manager who's uh, doing a lot of the infill. Once we're stabilized, the expense ratio on mobile home parks is, is about the lowest in, in commercial real estate. What is and it? And it's 30 to 40%. Wow, that is, is really low. Yeah, so I mean, apartments going to be at least ten percent, fifteen percent higher than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, self storage would be probably a little less because they don't have as much utilities. But other than that, I mean, on a stabilized park where the tenants pay the water, um, it's going to be closer to thirty percent. If the landlord pays the water, it's going to be closer to forty. Now, there's some economies of scale. If you got a ten unit park, you're probably going to have a higher expense ratio because you got fixed costs like some taxes and insurance, things like that. But overall, this park it'll probably it'll probably be in the thirty to thirty five percent expense ratio. Okay. Come 2021. Right now, it's going to be higher because we're, you know, we're doing a lot of infill and, and, and we did a lot of capex as well. But as far as ongoing, 
By the yeah, way, just for anybody cool. listening, because we're talking, we've got a lot of listeners that are high level, high level, and a lot of them that are are not yet there. Uh, when 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 Ferd mentions capex, what he's really talking about is capital expenditures. So he's talking about things like you know improving the grounds or making some lighting adjustments or putting any type of capital into the park. And that's going to be an expense that he's going to incur now. That's going to increase the value of his property, but it is going to temporarily affect his bottom line. So I just want to share that with you guys. That's a good point, Dan. And, and, and one other thing on on capital expenditures is they're, they're generally kind of a one time expense. So mm-hmm. I spent. I spent $40,000 on road repair in the first two weeks, but my annual road repair is going to be like $2,500. So from an annual expense that's going to hit my net operating income, I'm going to have to spend about $2,500 a year. But that that first day, the roads were in really bad shape. So we had to fix a lot of potholes and, and repave some stuff. And well, like now trees, you increase I, the value of your property, right? You've essentially, you're right. rehabbing a park. It's like rehabbing a house, just different facets and components that you can take care of. And now that you've exactly. done that, right, it's worth more. So I guess my question, I keep pushing you on this, right? So sure. now let's say you're, you're, you're all in, you've renovated it, you've got yourself at a healthy occupancy, not, you know, not too high, not too low. You, you, you're not too high that you need to increase rents, not too low that you're, you're uh, wasting potential and opportunity. Where are you at with your all in versus your, 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 uh, your net, incre- in, net operating income in terms of a cap rate? Well, well, what is my cap rate on this deal? I mean, I'd have when, to once you're that. all in, once you're, you know, well, this once, I'm, once I'm all in, I mean, this this deal, I wouldn't sell this at a seven cap. So, I mean, it, it, now, it's I'm not, not asking what you wouldn't sell it. I'm asking you. Okay. This is a property in your portfolio. What's your cap rate? Where are you at? I, I'd have to think about it. I'm probably, I mean, I'm probably north of twenty at this point. Wow, that is awesome! All right, well, I mean, this is, this is, and we've added, and we've added three million dollars value in eighteen months. Yeah, that's so, incredible. So, I mean, it's, so it's, I mean, the, the value is has over tripled wow. on this property. My that's my awesome. my 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 IRR on this is going to be triple digits. I mean, it's awesome. it's, it's not going to be it's not going to be your eighteen percent IRR, you know, kind of deal. Um, but it's because it's a massive infill, and you know, it's a harder project. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, if, if you if you can tackle if you can find these kind of deals. And implement the business plan, you know. It's 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 I mean, it's a lot more a lot more profitable than practicing law. So yeah, I, you know, it I, sounds I, like I, it. You know, and working on my own deals is is the majority of my time. I practice okay. law, um, you know, a fraction of it because I like to stay sharp on those skills. I like to get involved in more projects. I like to you know learn from other people. I like to help out where I can. But you know, from a dollar per hour, working on this other project is more profitable for me. Sure. Right. Well, but, I, but I mix. I, I like to do both. You know, kind of. With kind of some days I wear a jacket. Some days I'm wearing boots and jeans. I, you know what? Speaking of boots and jeans, or I looked almost like a hazmat suit. I saw you on LinkedIn yesterday. <laughs> was that you snaking a drain at your mobile home park? <laughs> I was. I was holding the camera. The uh, the other guy okay. was taking the drain. Is that but, the camera yeah, on the end of the line or the camera filming the guy? <laughs> the camera filming the guy. Never mind. Yeah, that was. That I was cameraing some sewer lines. We were under contract to buy that park and. Yeah. Walk in the park and talking to tenants, found out there's some significant uh, backup sewer issues. Okay. And in the home park, typically the, the utility lines are private, so we would own those sewer lines, and they're old, you know, they're clay mm-hmm. pipe, clay pipe. So we need to, and we got, and got vacant lots we want to fill. So a lot of vacant lots they'll have, you know, rocks thrown down the sewer and yeah. concrete and kids' toys and. I need to figure out if I can Let use those Let me interrupt lines. you real quick on that because, sure. you know, and this has flown by, man. I really I appreciate you so much for coming and joining us. We've got about two minutes left, 
And okay. before we finish, I just want to make a little little pointer here. So those crock lines that you're talking about, and, and when when Ferd mentions these pot, pottery lines, they're literally made out of the same material that you know your mother or your grandmother is growing her plants in. It's that orange stuff, and if you keep it outside long enough, it literally crumbles. So I've done a lot of work in Southfield and Oak Park here in Oakland County, and all the lines are crock lines. And, and what happens is they're about eight-foot runs, and then it's literally like a couple like this with another line just stuck inside. And then you go down the line, another one, and another one. And what happens is at that seam, at those seams, the lines collapse. It just happens. It's what's going to happen. And you can see it in the front yards. There's almost like a little divot in the front. So there's actually a couple companies we've worked with that do a, a type of jetting system where they literally will pull a, a, a fabric through the line that creates almost like an epoxy internal like stent that keeps the lines intact. And the costs are a fraction of what they would be to dig up the front yard and, and replace the crock. Just some, some food for thought for you guys in your parks um just wanted to point that out and you know before we close here um i I wanted to just kind of turn this back around to you and see if there's anything that you want to to put out there as a message to people getting into mhps and even before we get into that tell everybody how we met and how they can meet you in case they want to reach out to the mhp lawyer well we we met on we met on linkedin that's right baby linkedin yeah, LinkedIn's been a great business platform, I think, for both of us. And, you know, they've since we've never met in person, actually. We've spoken on the phone a couple times. Will. And we'll meet in person here at some point. Um, but LinkedIn's a powerful. You can find me on LinkedIn, Ferd Neiman. I've got a website, themobilehomelawyer.com. And I've got a podcast, the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. And that's how you can reach me. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you again so much for joining us. Really appreciate everyone's time here. This has been an excellent episode. You've added some incredible value, not only to the viewers and listeners, but also to myself. I appreciate it. MHPs are something that myself and my colleagues are really interested in. And uh, this is awesome. Really appreciate you, Ferd. Hope you enjoy your time out there in Boston. And I look forward to meeting you here either in Detroit, Boston, somewhere else. In the meantime, Dan on top, special birthday season here, season one, birthday episode. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Like, follow, comment, engage. We'll see you all soon.